I want to say, first of all, I have yet to meet a teenager that does not want a better relationship with their parents. And I've been working with teens for over two decades. Welcome to the Raising Confident Teens podcast, where we share life and leadership skills with teens and their parents. I'm Jenna. And I'm Rachel, and we are so glad you're here today. It's been a humdinger of a week here for us. Um, We were supposed to be on vacation this week, and we were going to go ride bikes down the Creeper Trail and visit with some friends in Maryland, but we all ended up in quarantine, so we're trying to be a little bit productive here and keep ourselves busy. And so today, we're setting a record. Three podcasts recorded back-to-back. So Jenna deserves an award, I think. (laughs) What kind of parent talks their kid into recording podcasts on vacation? Right? Apparently you. (laughs) We're going to hang out later tonight and have fun, so it'll be worth it, right? Um, So we're excited to interview our guest today, Cameron, Dr. Cam Caswell. She's a PhD, known as the Teen Translator, an adolescent psychologist, family success coach, host of the Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam podcast and Parenting Teens Power Hour, and is the author of Power Phrases for Parents, Teen Edition. Her mission is to help parents build strong, positive relationships with their teens. Dr. Cam is also the mom of a teen, so she not only talks the talk, she walks the walk, and she's one of us. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Cam. Thank you both. Thank you, Jenna and Rachel. It's great to be here. And Rachel, just to make you feel better, I uh, or Jenna, to make you feel better, I have my teen daughter get on with me all the time, too. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever ridden the Creeper Trail, Dr. Cam? The what? The Creeper Trail? Uh-uh. I have, have not. Have you heard of it? No. It's over there. Your, your way. It's over in Virginia. Okay. It's, uh, it's a really beautiful bike path that they converted from railroad tracks. Nice. And it's like 30 miles long, I think. Wow, I've got to check that out. Most people only go halfway, but it goes like (laughs) from the top of a mountain down, and it's very, very scenic. We've been planning on going uh, for a while. It it looks so pretty. It's a a little bitty town, and you can stop in on the towns and eat or have ice cream along the way. Yeah, it's beautiful out here, and it's just beautiful scenery and they do they have lots of really adorable kind of old towns so they've got a lot of character can you tell us your story how did you kind of get started working with teens sure so it actually started back when i was a teen um and i was a peer counselor uh, mainly because it would look good on my college application and i remember having my first quote client come in and let me just set the scene. I was a very, you know, straight A kind of quiet, shy, which is surprising now, but shy kid and, you know, the teacher's pet type of kid. And this girl walks into my my quote office and she was the the class bully. She was the one that I would always walk on the opposite side of the hall to avoid and scared not only me, but all the teachers. And all of a sudden I was supposed to be counseling her and I was absolutely terrified. And I remember her starting to tell her story. And all of a sudden I realized that what she was telling me and how she felt was identical to how I felt. And we both were feeling extremely misunderstood, just really low self-esteem, felt like 
we just didn't really belong anywhere. And since then, you know, I've, I've really talked to a lot of teenagers and realized that a lot of teens feel that way. And it was really when I started teaching adolescent psychology, this whole psychology thing kind of stuck with me too. And I had parents in my class as students, and they kept coming up to me and saying, oh my gosh, what you're teaching in class is completely changing our relationship with our teens. We get them now. Mm. And I had this epiphany that teens, they act out the way we see them acting out because they feel misunderstood. And they feel misunderstood because they actually are very much misunderstood. And I just started sharing this information with as many parents as I could. And over the years, it became my full-time job. So I, I work with teens and parents every day, and I love it. So why, like, I mean, we, all of us parents, we have been teens. Why do we have so much trouble misunderstanding? Is it like... Jen and I were talking about this last night because we were watching one of your videos while we put a puzzle together. And we were talking about, is it like, you know, Santa, the movie Polar Express, where they can't hear the, the way the bell rings anymore? Right. Um, is that what happens to us as parents? Like, we can't remember being a teen? Or is it is it just because things are different? Like, the generational... There's different things. I, I think it's a little bit of everything. I think, first of all, even when we were a teen, we didn't understand what it meant to be a teen. And I really love sharing that information with teenagers about what's going on with their brain development um, and why they behave the way they do. So I think part of us never actually understood what was going on. Another piece of it is it is hard to remember what it was like to be a teen, but it also kind of colors how we view adolescence. I think most of us have a lot of um, emotion and not necessarily positive emotion surrounding our memories as a teenager. They're tough. I don't know anyone that would want to be a teen again. Those are extremely tough years. And so I think we also just have this feeling of how difficult the teen years are and we expect that with our teens. Teens also trigger us. And so there's a lot of things that teens will do that we're like, oh, no, my parents didn't let me get away with that. I'm a parent now. I'm not letting you get away with that. Not really understanding or remembering where that emotion or where that what we call attitude is coming from. I think we really misinterpret interpret what they're trying to say. They're trying to invoice themselves that we don't hear. It. So we get triggered and our emotions come up. And finally, we've never been a teenager in this day and age. And we don't know what it's like to be growing up in a world that's just full of social media and technology and everything is so fast. And the expectations that are put on teens now, I, I can't imagine being able to survive that and not completely crumble under the pressure that a lot of teens are put under right now. So there's a lot of reasons why we just don't seem to be able to understand and connect with our teens. Do you think they're intentionally triggering us or is it just accidental? They are certainly not. And, you know, Jenna, please speak in up on this. I always <laughs> check in with my, my daughter as well. But I, I'm pretty much 100% sure they're not trying to trigger you. Nobody wants to get in trouble. No teen wants to be yelled at or have their phone taken away. 
who would want that? What happens is they're trying really hard to communicate to us and they're still learning how to communicate well. That's not, that's something that you learn. It's not something they're born with. And we have an expectation often that they know how to do it well. And we get frustrated and angry when they don't do it well. And it comes across to us as disrespect, as defiance, as attitude. And in their eyes, it's just them trying really hard to be heard and being extremely misunderstood. And it's really frustrating because they don't know how else to do it. And I have teens telling me every single day, I can't do anything right. No matter, I'm trying everything, no matter what I do, I get in trouble. I think my mom just likes to find reasons to take my phone away. They don't want that to happen. They just they can't figure us out. And most of the time, we're not really very clear on what our expectations are. Right. Yeah, I we have a Facebook community and I posted on there last night that we were going to be talking with you and I and I asked, you know, what do you struggle with as parents with your teen? And actually someone said to me, I have trouble not taking it personal, taking it as a personal attack when they disagree with me and you know, I'm, I'm realizing that they are just trying to form their opinion and figure it out, but I feel attacked, you know? Yeah. Um, we do. And it, it triggers us a lot. Yeah. So how do we not let that trigger? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not easy. Let's, let's be honest. Um, and especially when we've had a long day, I think the important thing is to really learn to understand where our teens are coming from. And this is really, getting into understanding the brain development, which I love. And I love teaching teens about their brain development because it's so great when they get it and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. Because there's times we say, what were you thinking? And they're like, I don't know. And we think they're just saying, they knew what they were thinking. They're just not telling us. And most of the time they don't really know what they were thinking or they were thinking from a place of, you know, this, is novelty. This looks fun. This, they don't really have the brain, that part of the brain is not fully developed yet. That is the logic and reasoning that can sit back and go, "Mm, is this a good idea? That's really not there yet. And so that takes time to learn. So I think the first thing is to remember that they're doing the very best they can with what they know right now. And if we don't like the way that they're communicating with us, rather than getting mad, get curious. Why aren't they able to communicate to us in a way that we think is appropriate? Are there skills that they need to learn? Are they not understanding? Because they don't always hear how it sounds to us. In their head, it sounds completely fine. They're just trying to express themselves. I can remember my mom telling me all the time, stop whining. I'm like, I don't think I'm whining. I'm just talking, right? So we don't really realize how we're coming across a lot of times and teaching them, taking the opportunity to teach them. I I liken it to when our kids are learning to walk. And at that point, their brains are in the growth spurt and they're learning how to walk and talk and they're not good at it. They fall over. They look like they're really clumsy, right? And we don't get angry with them when they don't walk well. We scoop them up and we encourage them. And when they take a single step, even if they fall right afterwards, we're like cheering on that step. 
We need to think of our teens in a similar way. When they're learning to communicate and they're learning to reason, this is all part of them being able to learn how to take those steps. Yeah, that's good. So so when they when they tend to have the voice that sounds disrespectful, what are we supposed to do? Well, the first thing is stay calm. And that's I think is the hardest thing for parents to do, but I can't stress how important it is for us to stay calm. And the reason is when we get emotional, we're adding more emotion. So our kids are already in this, you know, if they're talking to us in this tone, it's usually because they're already frustrated, right? They're already stressed out. And so their fight or flight, you know, that, that piece of the brain, that, that part that's protective has already kicked in. When we add our own emotion to it, this does not help them calm down. It just adds more fuel to that fire. So when we get emotional, we are guaranteeing this is going nowhere good and fast. Um, and we're just adding that. We're not setting them up to succeed. We're setting them up to fail. And we're setting us up to be disappointed and for them to feel judged. And so if we can stay calm in the moment, we can then give them the space to become calm. But if, we're, if we've got emotion, there's no way for them to get calm at that point. It just gets really heightened. So if we stay calm, and we think about what are we trying to achieve in this moment? Because a lot of times we'll snap and we'll get mad and I'll ask parents, well, what exactly were you expecting your teen to do with that? How are, how are you expecting them to respond? Were they going to be like, oh, thanks, mom, for yelling at me. Now I get it. I'll be good. I'll do it. No, humans don't act that way, right? right? So I think it's really thinking about why am I getting so upset? And what is that actually going to achieve? Yeah. Because in that dynamic, we're the ones with a fully developed prefrontal cortex and all this experience developing logic and reason. And if we're having trouble calm, calming down, we can't expect our teens to be the ones to do it. Right. So that's a lot easier said than done, though. <laughs> so is. It so is. I get, you know, humor. Humor is good at times like that. Or you, like, start doing funny voices or something. Humor can be good. I think it's important to realize, though, that, that um, can make them teens don't actually find that funny. They think you're making fun of them, right. which would make it worse, too. So what I often say is instead of getting upset, get curious. And ask yourself, why are they talking this way? And you know what? It's even better. Ask them. Right. Okay. I hear you're trying to tell me something. And from your tone, I'm getting it's really important. I'm missing it. I'm not getting it. Is there another way you can communicate it with me? And if you're so getting triggered and so upset, and believe me, I've been there more than a few times, um, and my team will love to tell you about it. That's when we have to teach ourselves to step away. And it's not a like, put your hand up and go, I can't deal with you right now, because that's sending a message that you're not worth dealing with. It's more of a, I'm not in a good place right now. I'm not gonna be able to respond well. I need a few minutes. I'll meet you back here in 10 minutes. Right. And then you go and teach yourself how to calm down breathing, whatever it is. And here's the really important piece of this. Not only are you teaching yourself to stay calm, you're modeling that for your teenager. 
and you're teaching your teenager by you doing it how to manage your own emotions because when we're losing our crap we're teaching our teens to lose theirs yeah not to calm down so we can't teach them to calm down by losing our own emotions right yeah it's interesting because uh another comment that we got on on that post was often my kid gets all worked up and i just have to sit there and listen to them sometimes for hours and then they'll listen to me after they have been allowed to be heard. So, you know, the curious thing you're talking about. Like, let them really tell you what they're... Because a lot of times, you know, sometimes we get, well, you're not listening to me, but I feel like I'm listening. It's so true. And you know what? One of the, one of the skills that I first teach every parent is how to listen. Because we don't do it well. I mean, think about it. We are taught over and over again. We are taught how to read. We're taught how to write. We're taught how to speak. Nobody's taught how to listen. And it is the most important parenting skill I believe there is. Because much of our teens' behavior and attitude comes out because they don't feel heard and they don't aren't heard. Listening means and being quiet <laughs> and not listening to form your response, but listening to understand them or try to figure out what are they feeling? Why are they feeling that? Not from a place of judgment. We get judgy very fast. Um, or we try to fix things or we try to soothe it over. And all of those are saying, I'm not hearing you. Right. Rather just listen and say, oh my gosh, I get it. Like you sound really upset and helping them label it and just letting them be the way they feel even, and this is the hardest, when it's directed at you. They have the right to be angry at you. We may not like the way that they vocalize it, but that feeling is not a feeling we can tell them they can't have. It's a feeling, it's non-negotiable. Their feelings are non-negotiable. We can't change how they feel. We can help them understand how they can how they feel. We can help them work through how they feel. And we can learn how to actually show up for them better by learning what they need and letting them voice that. Right. Yeah, I think as parents a lot, we tend to minimize how they feel because to yeah. us, it's not a big deal to us because we have the perspective of life of years and years and what you're worried about you know, doesn't seem important to us. And so we tend to minimize something that's we very do. important. And what happens is we don't stop making them feel bad. We just start making them feel bad about feeling bad. So now they feel twice as bad <laughs> when we do that. Yeah, I've, I've come to learn. It's, it's taken me a long time. Only recently have I really come to understand, like with my girls, <clears throat> I have come to understand that I need to ask the question, is this something you want me to fix or do you just want me to listen to you? Yes. Cause exactly. I want to help you. Cause I, you're yeah. my kid. I want to help you fix the problem. But a lot of times they don't want us to come in and rescue them and fix the problem. They just want us to know that we're listening and that we care that it is a problem to them. And what's so great about that question, Rachel, is that you are actually helping your teen learn how to voice what they need. And that's really amazingly important skill to have for them, right? To be yeah. able to communicate. So you're saying, what do you need from me right now? Here's some options. And that helps them really think about what is it do I, what do I need? Right. And I think this is something like our generation, we didn't really, a lot of us had 
more authoritarian parents, I guess you could say. And we weren't allowed to have a voice. And so it seems wrong to to have a voice. You know, it does. And I think one of the things that we've had and all all we have to model is our parents, Right. right? And they've had their parents and their parents. And I am not the first person to say our parents did exactly the best they could do with what they knew. Right. Right. So there's no, there's no like bad feelings that way. There was when I was a teen, let's face it. But, you know, um, but now we know so much more about adolescent development, about psychology, about self-esteem and how that really grows. We also see generation after generation developing more and more anxiety and stress and negative mindset. And I know so many adults that are struggling with their self-esteem and it's this negative mindset. And guess when that negative mindset is, that mindset's hardwired, when we're teens. So the the messages we get with our te- when we're teenagers and many of them from our family, from our parents, we're trying to help us, trying to guide us, but it comes across as judgment. It comes across as shame. And that's how our parents raised us, right? It was like, let's shame them to do the right thing. Let's judge them so that they feel bad about doing that so they'll do the right thing. But what happens is we just develop these feelings of judgment and shame. And now we carry that into adulthood. Right. And so what I'm out there trying to teach parents is how do you provide the guidance and the boundaries? I'm not saying there shouldn't be boundaries. I'm not saying we should just let our kids go wild. That is actually not good for them either. And they don't want that because then they feel really insecure because they don't feel like anyone's looking out for them. But how do we guide them and still be kind and still help them build up confidence and build up their skills so that they're able to go out into the world and contribute and be confident in what they can do? Because right now we've got a lot of, we see kind of different extremes we have a lot of kids that go into the workforce and they've never had to make a decision on their own. And they're afraid to make decisions because right. they've always been told their decisions are bad or wrong. So now they're scared to do them. And there's a lot of people in the workforce that are complaining about the generation because they require so much hands-on management. What do you think is the biggest hurdle to having a good relationship with your teen? The biggest hurdle is really, I mean, we've, we've expressed it. It's being able to understand your teen. It's being able to give them a voice um, and not taking it so personally. And it's, that is so hard. And I, you know, I talk to parents all the time that we worry about how our teens on social media, I think it has just a big of an impact on us adults because I have parents saying, well, everyone else's kids are kind to them. Everyone else's kids are doing this. Why aren't mine? I don't deserve this. I'm doing everything I see everyone else do. And what I tell them is, oh, I've talked to a lot of those parents that seem to have a perfect life online (laughs) and they don't We don't see any of that. So we start second guessing ourselves and we start having these expectations on our teens that are unrealistic because of how it looks. And what I want to encourage people is to focus more, realize that what they're seeing is not real. And what matters more is what their child needs and what that relationship looks like and really focusing on what is 
the solution here, not what the problems are that I'm having, but what solutions are there that I can help. So if someone's having a lot of, uh, their relationship is not the best with their teen, what, what would be a good first step? Yeah. So this, this is a big one. And I, this is one I hear a lot. I want to say, first of all, I have yet to meet a teenager that does not want a better relationship with their parents. And I've been working with teens for over two decades, not one. And a lot of them have really terrible relationships with their parents and it crushes them because they don't feel like their parents want a relationship with them. Mm -hmm. I was talking to a teen the other day and when she found out that her mom was getting help and learning how to better communicate with her, she was like, oh my gosh, I wanted to cry. That made me so happy because it made me realize how much she cared about me because she was willing to also make a change. And it wasn't just about me changing all the time because a lot of teens feel like, and the message we give is, you're not behaving well. I don't like how you, what you're doing. You need to change. And we don't think about how can I show up differently because our teens aren't gonna change if we don't change. And so the first thing to do if your relationship with your teen is not going well is to say, what can I control in this? You can't control your teen. You can't control your teen's feelings. You can't control how your teen responds to you. You can control how you show up for your teen, how you respond to your teen, how you view your teen. What are you focused on? Are you focused on everything they do wrong and fixing it? Are you focused on the things that they do right? Are you encouraging that? Because they do a lot right. We just tend to take that for granted. Um, so the first thing you can do is focus not on your teen needing to change, but on you and what you can do to change. And then letting go of the expectations because a lot of parents will say, okay, well, I did what you said and my teen didn't respond this way. Well, you have a lot of ground to cover. Mm. So it's going to take time. And if you just suddenly change, your teen's going to get very suspicious about that and say, mm, this is a trap. What's going on here? It's going to take a while for your teen to trust you again. And so it's taking it really slow with low expectations, inviting, making invitations to your teen. Hey, I'm going to go for a walk. Do you want to go with me? No? Okay. And you go for a walk. No, no big deal, right? Hey, I'm working on a puzzle. You want to work on a puzzle with me? No? Okay. And just inviting them, but realizing and letting them know that the choice is there whether they do it or not, and that you're not going to get upset with them if they say no. Right. I think, you know, the ideal situation would be, you know, their whole lives, you, you constantly made them a priority. And I don't mean like made sure they got the best of everything, but like time spent with them so that they know, you know, mom's... Yeah. Mom's always there. I think our lives are so busy. It's so hard to, it's not urgent, but it's important. And the urgent seems to be what we do. Yeah. And yeah, I, I feel like this past year forced us to slow down a lot. And the people, the families that really came out of this ahead were the families that took advantage of that and spent more time connecting with their kids and slowing down. And 
I've seen kids who's actually mental health improved because of that. And my hope is that parents will continue to prioritize their time with their kids because the number one most important thing that to set our kids up for success is a strong connection with us. And often we sacrifice that number one most important thing for a lot of other not nearly as important as important things. Yeah. And we get so caught up and busy in all of these other things that we lose the most important thing. And that's what I just really want to encourage parents, that if your relationship with your teen is not what you want it to be, I can guarantee you it's not what your teen wants it to be either, nor what your teen needs it to be. What can teens do to improve their relationship? Ah, Jenna, I love this question. Um, So teens can also understand that their parents are doing the best they can. And realizing that if they're trying to communicate with their parents and their parents are getting upset, they're getting upset because of the way it's coming across and sounding and understanding, okay, maybe I need to communicate this in another way. It's also, and this is one thing I've taught teens as well, because I I have worked with a lot of teens and I've had to help them learn how to connect with their parents, which is really difficult to do. But also, you know, showing your parents when they make an effort to spend time with you, to make time to spend with your parents. I think parents start feeling really insecure when teens want to spend more time with their friends than with them. And they get kind of clingy and needy, (laughs) I would say. Um, And it's just from a place of insecurity, not as much a place of wanting to control. And I think teens see it as a form of control. Parents really come from a place of almost insecurity. So throwing your parent a bone every once in a while and spending time with them, I think is a really important thing. Yeah, it's like we're like the you know, the clingy boyfriend that doesn't want you to go out. Yes, a hundred percent. Or all of a sudden you notice that. And I've said this, I'm like, have you ever broken up with somebody and all of a sudden they won't go away? It's kind of how parents are. You're like, I'm trying to separate from you. But parents just, we get really scared of losing you. And the problem is how we respond to that actually pushes our kids away more. Um, than if we just kind of let it be. So I I think um, it's really great if teens can kind of understand that their parents are really trying hard. Yeah, we are, Jenna. (laughs) I know. We don't always do it well. That is very, very obvious, but we're doing the best we know how. What if we have friends who are having trouble with their parents? How can we help them? Oh, that's good empathize with them and listen to them and just say, yeah, you know, and even kind of do a me too. You don't have to like tear your parents away, but go, yeah, I've had issues like that with my parents too sometimes. And just listen to them. The one thing you want to be careful of though, is helping to demonize the parent. Um, You know, you can say, oh yeah, but also kind of say, wow, what do you think your mom was trying to do? You know, because we don't want to side on the parent side because then they're not going to trust you. But we also don't want to encourage 
the demonization of the parents because like I said, they're really trying hard. Um, so just being careful with that and then encourage them to find a professional or someone that they can talk to if it's really bad. I mean, there's some that it's an argument and they don't feel heard and then it's, you know, how maybe how can you say it in a different way? Or if it's really bad and constantly going on, is there someone that they can talk to at school or on, you know, other professional trusted adults that they can talk to about it? Yeah, that's good. You can be a friend with, without making it us against them. Yeah, it's hard. It's real. I mean, as an adult, it's hard, right? It's 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 difficult, and you want to commiserate and side with them. And it's very it's fine, absolutely. You want to say, "Oh wow, that must have been that must have sucked, <laughs> right? That must have been really tough." That that. That's not fun at all. And I would have been upset too, right? You can definitely commiserate with that. Just avoiding the line of, wow, your parents are terrible, right? <laughs> um, and going there because they already believe that. But if you're saying that, that's just kind of encouraging that, but also making them feel like, oh my God, my parents are terrible, <laughs> right? Rather than your parents are like most parents. <laughs> You know, it sucks, but they're doing what a lot of parents do and they're trying to figure it out, right? What do you do when you have a teen that makes every interaction difficult? It's like they're always trying to pick a fight. Yeah. This is, again, this is where you get curious. And the way I describe it is that behaviors are not the problem. They're the symptom. And so it's like your red light goes off on your car dashboard you don't take it into the mechanic and say, can you fix the red light on my dashboard? You say the red light went off, which means something's wrong with my car, right? So when a teen is acting up and if they're making everything into an argument, why? Why is, do, do they feel like the need to make everything into an argument? My guess is they don't feel heard. They're starting out defensive because they're already realizing it's going to end up ugly and in a fight. And then it does. So if your kids are getting making everything difficult, don't add to it. Try to understand why they feel that need. Get curious. I think it also, you know, don't be, if you really are struggling, you know, therapy gets a bad rap, but <clears throat> sometimes you need therapy and you need to help uh, and somebody that's a third party to come alongside to uh, give you their perspective, you know? 100%. And here's the one thing I, the caveat I want to put in there though. Teens often are being taken to, <laughs> taken to a therapist because they need the parents kind of say, and they'll come to me, and not in so many words, but basically, can you fix my teen, right? And this message gets sent to the teen as, you're not behaving, something's wrong with you, you're not behaving the way you should, you need to be fixed. Teens are not going to be responsive <laughs> to somebody trying to help them if they're another adult telling them that they're broken and need to be fixed. And I've had these kids come to me. Instead, focus on how do you, how can you fix the relationship? What can you do? 
If your teen is there saying, I want help, I'm struggling with this, by all means, get them help. Encourage them to do that. But if it's in a communication issue and a relationship issue between you and the teen, I encourage you to get the help first. Right, right. It's not them that needs to be fixed. Sometimes it's us. <laughs> it's the relationship. The it's time. the communication needs to be fixed. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And again, it is so powerful when the teen sees that, oh my gosh, you care enough about me to want to fix our relationship and learn how to communicate with me better. Man, that's huge. And I've talked to the teen on that side and I'm like, okay, if your parents are willing to do this, can I get your buy-in that you're going to help, that you'll show up and that you will at least give them the benefit of the doubt and, and give them the opportunity to fix this? And they're like, absolutely. That's all I want. Right. Yeah. Like you say, nobody really wants a horrible relationship with anyone. No. And the worst is to have your parents. If you feel like your parents don't like you, which a lot of kids do, if you think feel like your parents are against you, which a lot of kids do, who's for you? Like, right. where do you go? What does it say about you if your parents don't even find you lovable? Man, that's that's hurtful. And so you're off trying to find that sense of acceptance and belonging anywhere you possibly can, and that might not be a great place. So we want I just really want to encourage parents to be that support system for their kids. Right. That's good stuff. Is there anything else you want to add? I always add this. Everyone I know is doing the very best they can. And the one thing I want to be very clear on, this is not about shaming. This is not about saying you're doing this all wrong and judging what people are doing right now because everyone is doing what they know how to do. There are, there are references and resources out there, though, that if it's not going the way you want, there are things you can do to change it. And just listening to this show is evidence that you're open to that, and that is an enormously huge step right there. Um, so give yourself some grace. I see a lot of parents that beat themselves up and say, I'm failing. And when you're trying and trying new things and it's not working, that's not failing. It's just not finding the right thing yet. Yeah. So that's all I want to say. Yeah. Give yourself grace. That's great. Where can people find you? Yeah. So my podcast is Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. And it's about parenting teens, and it's with me, Dr. Cam. So that's <laughs> fairly easy. And you can go to my website, which is askdrcam.com, A-S-K-D-R-C-A-M, askdrcam.com, and you'll find everything about me there. That's great. Thanks so much for coming on our podcast, Dr. Cam. Thank you guys so much. It was great to talk to both of you. Yeah, I, I, there's lots of good info in here. I'm going to have to listen to it again. Uh, I'm curious to hear Jenna's input. Jenna, you got any input on this? Oh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't. Go ahead. She's thinking. She's thinking. I just put yes, and which is very fair. I just kind of put her on the spot. 
I, I'm just always checking in with teens to go, did any of this resonate or was there anything you needed to correct? Because I am open to that too. Well, I don't really struggle too much with communicating with my mom. So like, I don't really, I don't want to say relate. I don't relate, but like, you know. Yeah. You, know, you don't great. relate to kids that have problems. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, we have yeah. pretty good, our, our teens have pretty good, they tell me everything. They tell me stuff. Yeah, I probably don't want to know sometimes, but <laughs> ditto. And I I love that because it shows it's very very possible. Yeah, and it's I love very it. Possible. I, I love it that yeah. they feel comfortable enough to come. And here and tell me if I'm wrong. When you have a good relationship with your teens, you actually realize that the teen years are some of the best years as a parent. And that's why I'm so passionate about what I do is because I want that for everyone is to be able to enjoy those years. Yeah, I, I see a lot of, you know, posts on in Facebook parenting groups and the and the people talk about their kids and I'm like, it, it makes me so sad. Yeah, like, me too. Like it's not, like they act like, well, the it, teens will be teens and this is how it's gotta be and they're hating their life. Everybody's in the family is miserable. Yeah. Um, and, and we don't really see that here and, and I'm not saying that to brag or anything, I'm just saying, I think it's because of a lot of intention and hard work and prioritizing, you know, we eat dinner together for home, you know? Um, yeah. But, but yeah, it doesn't have to be that way. We love hanging out with each other. We do stuff yeah. together all the time. And, you know, I want them to look back and say, those were great memories, you know? I, I agree, and I think that's how you stay intentional is every day I go, was this a day that my daughters and I are going to look back and go, this was a good day? Right. And how do I make that? Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a big thing. It's often so simple. It's just we go for a walk together or we talk together. It's not like every day is going to Disney World. It's just how do I make how do I make this a day that was a good day? Yeah. Make today a good day. Yep. If you're a parent or mentor, we would love to have you join us over in our free private Facebook community. You can find it by searching for Raising Confident Teens Community. Have a great week.